Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I hope everyone has had a wonderful start of their new year. Um, we are doing something unusual this uh, for this show. We are actually doing a two-part series. I hadn't intended for it to be a two-part series until our guest from last week, Brad Salzman, who is an LCSW and C. Sat, which is a certified sexual addiction therapist, um, was on last week talking about um, internet and porn addiction and some of the dangers around it. Um, so to let you little, know a little bit more about him, he's the founder and director of New York Sexual Addiction Center in New York City, as well as the Kivun Israel Recovery Center in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel. Both centers specialize in the expert assessment and treatment of sexual addiction, pornography addiction, and intimacy disorders for addicts, spouses, and couples. Brad received his BA from Yale University, his MS from Columbia University, and was trained and certified in sexual addiction therapy by Dr. Patrick Carnes, the world's leading authority on sexual addiction treatment. Brad offers in-person therapy in New York and Israel, as well as Skype therapy to clients all over the world. And you can visit his website, bradsalzman.com, for more information. So we had Brad on last week. Um, to talk about some of the dangers uh, connected to online porn. And this is really under our purview because, um, you know, intimacy, um, there's a lot to say about that when it comes to to Judaism, to Orthodox Judaism. And um, a lot about what we talk about at Jew in the City is how we interact and interface with the modern world. And whether or not you like it or not, whether or not you feel comfortable with the topic or not, um, it is everywhere. It's the internet is everywhere. The devices are small and mobile. Um, there is a chance for your children and your spouse to, you know, get into this kind of trouble without you having any idea about it. Um, and this is a topic that I've wanted to touch on for a while because it's so pervasive and the damage can be so uh, dramatic. Um, so we spent last week, and you can listen to our show in the archives in June the City Speaks on NahumSiegel.com, um, where we sort of laid out the problem and how ubiquitous it is. Um, and today I, I asked Brad at the end of last week's show if we could come back again to start talking about solutions because it seemed kind of like a little bit of a, a bad place to end to only talk about the problem and no solutions. So, Brad, thank you so much for joining us for, for part two of our show. Sure, my pleasure. So, okay, so where we left off, we, we sort of started to touch off um, on possible solutions and probably there's no perfect solution because the problem is so big and if it was, you know, possible already, you would be out of business. So um, we started to touch on it at the end of last show. So as far as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I would think that um, the two sort of ways to handle this would be um, filtering and communication. Are, are those kind of the two main areas to touch on or is there any other, you know, sort of uh, – you know, larger issue that we should uh, right. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think when I think yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to prevention, um, you'd mentioned uh, last week that you had done quite a bit of work in terms of putting filters on your kids' devices, which I think is fantastic. And uh, as I was saying at the end of last week's broadcast, um, it's really important that all devices have some kind of filter. Um, people are they often think about okay, well, you know, I have to have you know, my computer have a filter, but they oftentimes don't realize that their cell phone is at least as big a problem and probably uh, bigger. Um, because I don't know about you, but I, I know that I let my kids, you know, sometimes play on my cell phone, and I want to make sure that if they do, it's going to be a safe experience. And the only way I can ensure that is if I have certain apps on my phone that will um, limit completely 
what access, what things they have access to. Because as soon as they have access to YouTube or Google uh, or Facebook or any of those things, they can really just uh, get into all kinds of trouble. So, um, yes, I would say filtering is obviously, obviously very, very important, and I would say absolutely essential in today's day and age. And then you also mentioned communication, which I think is fantastic. Um, I think that's actually harder for people. I think some people, you know, I've had parents say to me, should I put some kind of a filtering device on my uh, block, kids' computers or on their phones or whatever? Should I put some sort of what device? Uh, some kind of a filtering, you know, like some kind of a filter, uh, an app or some kind of software to filter, you know, my kids' uh, usage of their device or, or, for that matter, you know, my husband. But I don't want to tell them about it. I, I want to do it secretly. And I, and I, I think that's, that's absolutely a mistake. Um, communication is definitely a big part of what's going on here. You know, when it comes to, uh, let's say, playing with, with fire, you know, I think all parents educate their kids ahead of time and say, listen, this is what fire is. This is what matches do. This is what happens if you, you know, play with the, the stovetop. Um, and say, you know, and if you do this, you're going to get a very bad burn, and it's going to be very painful. So, uh, but when it comes to stuff like, you know, looking at uh, pornography or, you know, other sort of inappropriate content on the Internet, I think most parents would rather say, well, you know what, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to give them any ideas. They're already going to have the ideas. We live in a society where, you know, that is saturated um, by sex, and it's very important to talk to kids ahead of time and proactively in a way that's age-appropriate um, to sort of inoculate them against, to prepare them for that and to uh, inoculate them as, as best as possible. Do you have any specific recommendations of apps that you like to use? We've been using K9 um, on phones and computers, though I feel like maybe it's slowing down my laptop a little bit. I'm not sure if there's anything better that you yeah. recommend. Um, well, what I usually recommend is for computers and uh, desktops and laptops, I recommend something called NetNanny. Um, I, in my experience, that's one of the best. K9 is popular because it's free, and I think some people have good experiences with K9, but I've also heard from plenty of people who have, uh, of my clients actually, of uh, people who have issues with, with uh, porn and, and sex addiction, that K9 is very easy to outsmart if someone wants to. So you definitely need a good filter. Like I said, NetNanny is one that I recommend. Um, also, uh, for smartphones and tablets, I recommend uh, for adults something called MobiSip, which is M-O-B-I-C, like Charlie, I-P, MobiSip. Um, there's another one that, that just came out of Israel, which I think was actually developed by some people, called NetSpark Mobile, which I've also heard good things about. And uh, for Android devices for kids, I use something called Kids Place, uh, which, as I mentioned before, is an app that lets you um, pick, it sort of lets you cherry pick exactly which apps you want your kids to be able to use, and it even lets you pick um, specific videos that you want uh, them to be allowed to watch. And I, also, I think that's also a really good app as well. Okay, so is there any way to, you know, we're in a situation where I've tried to limit you know, they've sort of inherited old cell phones and iPads um, in our house. We don't buy them anything new, but they, as we get upgraded and we have, you know, sort of slower devices, they will use those things with um, the filters on them. Um, but 
they don't have social media yet. The oldest is 13. Um, apparently, more and more kids are getting Instagram. And my feeling is, I, I mean, I actually trust my daughters pretty much. It's really my younger sons that I feel like the, you know, the taiva and that pull to get into trouble will be greater. Once you're on social media, I mean, I've accidentally, you know, found things or seen things on um, sometimes even like the New York Post will like, you know, do a story on someone that <laughs> it's surprising that this is a story that's, you know, covered. And I realized that there's this whole world in social media of women making careers out of, you know, essentially selling their bodies. So once they're on a social media yeah. app, there, there's no control at that point, right? It's Well, you know, I, I, and first of all, I want to say that, you know, I, I think that uh, you are definitely right to be concerned about social media. I think that a lot of people tend to think that it's, you know, in, you know rather innocent, and, and they use it instantly. You know, a lot of people just use it to keep up with their friends and, uh, you know, just, I know for, uh, you know, my, my wife, a lot of her friends are, you know, around this time of year sharing Yuntas recipes and, and that, that kind of thing. And, you know, people say, hey, you know, what, what can be bad about that? But what they don't realize is that, you know, as, as much as it allows the, you know, the, the people to, to share, you know, positive things and uplifting things and, you know, creative and productive things, you know, it can also be used to share some really uh, dangerous things. And I just wanted to share with you, um, the story that I know of personally uh, of a, a family whose 14-year-old son had actually, I mean, he was, he was struggling a bit, but, but nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. He was struggling a bit at home and, and at school, and, and he's having some issues, some questions about, uh, about his Yiddishkeit and that kind of thing. And uh, they discovered that actually on Facebook he had befriended or been befriended by a number of uh, these sort of shady-looking men in their 50s and 60s. And, uh, you know, so, of course, when the family found this, they said, you know, this is odd. You know, who are these people? You know, if you could see someone's friends, at least they were able to see his friends. And they said, you know, these are very odd people. So and when they asked the, uh, the son about this, they, uh, he quickly basically blocked everyone in his family, um, you know, so they wouldn't be able to uh, spy on him anymore. But um, they were able to actually sort of uh, follow up on some of the names that they found on his friend list. Some of those people were actually um, registered sex offenders. And, um, you know, they were just able to find out information on people just by Googling them. And uh, it turns out, and this is really a horrible story, but it just goes to show how real these things are and how, how you know, um, how on guard we all have to be. It, it turned out that, that uh, this boy had actually been meeting up with some of these uh, men uh, to have sex with them mm-hmm. and had been, you know, receiving money and that kind of thing and, uh, and, and, and also emotional support and comfort from these people. So, you know, really just a real horror story that I think should just wake everybody up that, um, again, no matter how good your kid is and, you know, how... how uh, Socially well-adjusted he may be, and how uh, you know what a what a what a good uh, firm boy he is, or whatever it is, uh, or, or your daughter as well. They're definitely at risk if they're on the internet. Um, so back to your question about you know, what can we do about social media? I mean, I think you know parents need to ask themselves if kids really need to be on social media at all. And again, I, I think you know we should look at this from a you know a common sense point of view. You know, I mean, uh, it's one thing, uh, it, you know. To think like, oh well, you know, uh, 
you know, we can't be so old-fashioned or whatever. But the truth is, even people today are are you know getting off of social media. People who are not uh, religious, um, just because they think that it's overwhelming their lives. Um, but if if uh, you do make a decision that that you do want your kid to be on social media, um, I think there's nothing wrong with sharing an account with them, you know, and and obviously letting them know that. In other words, creating an account for them with the understanding that you're going to have you as a parent are going to have the password and you're going to have access to everything that's going on. Of course, you know, the kid is not going to um, be thrilled about that. Right. Um, but, you know, that's something that, that uh, I think parents have to understand, that, you know, it's not just our job to be our kids' friends. We also have to be their parents and their protector. And the kids also have to understand that as well, you know, that, that it, it, it is our job to protect them, you know, uh, as, as well as be their friend. But so that that would um, help out in terms of the if your kid is meeting up with and talking to people that could harm them. But in terms of searches that they've conducted on social media, does sharing an account help you see what they've searched for? Is there any? I guess the question is, what do you think about one of those uh, platforms or you know filters where their keystrokes are recorded or the sites that they visited are recorded? Is there any? I heard about one where you can get an email every day of all the searches or sites that have been visited just so that there's some sort of, you know, check right, and plus, right. check well, that, and yes. Right. That goes back to the, the filtering software, um, and those, those options are there in terms of, like, um, reporting any kind of uh, problematic content. There's actually an app, which I saw recently for Android, called Ever Accountable, which I actually tried it out, and it seems like to be a very good app. Um, again, it's called Ever Accountable, where you put it on on the uh, Android device of the person who's, who's being uh, monitored, um, or I should say, or another way of saying it, 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 that has accountability. And it's sent an accountability partner, which in this case could be uh, a parent. Um, but yeah, software gives the option to even take screenshots occasionally of things that they're looking at. Um, you know, and definitely um, not just to block problematic content, but also to sort of keep records on what they're looking at. And again, this is something you should talk to your kids about ahead of time and say, look, you know, uh, using the Internet, uh, there's a lot of really great stuff on the Internet, but there's a lot of problematic things also. And, you know, my job as your parent is to keep you safe. And as part of that, you know, we've installed um, these filters on on all these devices, you know, and just so you should know that, um, that it's going to be sending us reports of what you're looking at uh, from time to time and that, you know, to, just to keep you safe. So, okay, so that's that level, um, and you've given me some new filters to, to look up now and to try out. My kids are going to be thrilled. Um, what about, this is a problem <laughs> I like to sort of think about all the ways that things could go wrong. It's one of my pastimes. Um, what about when they're at their friends' houses? Because when I started thinking about how to yeah. keep my kids safer, um, then it occurred to me that, you know, it's interesting. We I would consider uh, us right-wing modern Orthodox. That we It's a pretty centrist community. It's certainly the modern Orthodox world, but it's a pretty halacha crowd that we live amongst. Um, and, yeah. you know, people that are, are serious um, and committed and sincere by and large. Um, and yet I think that... Um, there's a little bit of a perception that like filters are like a Haredi thing and like, oh, like that's for extreme Jews. Um, and 100%. we need to do that or just even like not getting, you know, how much you need to filter. For instance, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the last show, um, 
my son was playing over at a kid's house with a family that we know and like and trust who do they do have filters on their devices but not on the app store and so they were playing a game and a preview of um, naked uh, beach volleyball came up and my son told me about it um, which yeah. is fabulous and I'm glad that we have that kind of communication because I've been sort of drilling yeah. this into them from a long time that like women will be shown in compromising situations and really used as lore um, to get boys and men to click on things and what a horrible way to treat another human being um, so he told me about that but and I had a conversation with a mother afterwards not accusatory at all but more like just so you know this happened but what I really want to do is can I approach the parents beforehand and say not to be weird and annoying and sound judgy, but what are you doing to protect the devices that my kids might be on? Is that can you have that conversation? Because I'm not sure when I try to say it in my head, it sounds kind of crazy, and yet I think maybe I need to. Yeah, I look, I, I can relate 100 percent. You know, I, I have uh, young kids as well, and and uh. I realize this is a very real risk because as, as careful as I am, you know, as we are in our home with uh, all of our devices, all my son has to do is go to the neighbor's house and then, you know, it's really up to that kid's parents, um, you know, to what my son is going to be exposed to. So it is absolutely something that you can talk to, you know, your, your, uh, your, your kid's friend's parents about. Um, I think it's a, it's a bit of a dicey subject, though, because a lot of people, like you said, are you know sort of they look at the whole idea of filtering as um, a very, as you mentioned, like a very Haredi thing, a very like um, ultra orthodox sort of almost like a fanatical thing. And I think mm-hmm. part of that may have to do with you know the fact that there was that big Asifa. Um, I don't know, I feel like it was a long mm-hmm. time ago. Right? I, don't, I don't know, it was five years ago. Um, you know, in uh, was the in the, in the uh, big uh, stadium in New York, and they had uh, tens of thousands of people showed up to talk about the dangers of the Internet. And at the time, there were a lot of saying, well, this is crazy. Like, wow, who are all these, you know, ultra-Orthodox people? Like, we're talking about Orthodox people who are saying, you know, more modern Orthodox people who are saying, like, this is, this is nuts. You know, like, what, people are trying to turn back the hands of time. They're trying to live in the past. Yes. But I think that people, again, have to look at this from a, a common-sense view. You know, no, don't look at this. Don't get hung up you know, this is some kind of religious issue. This is a common sense issue. This is something that, you know, whether you're, whether you're Orthodox or whether you're Jewish, uh, no matter who you are, if you, are, if you care about your, parent, your kid's development, this is something you need to be tuned into, right? Just like, you know, you're concerned about, you may say, hey, you know, I'm all for legalization of marijuana, right? But does that mean I want my six-year-old kid smoking pot, right? Or, or something maybe less extreme, saying, okay, I have no problem with the fact that, you know, Alcohol is legal, you know, in, in America, right? Mm-hmm. But does that mean I want my 10-year-old kids drinking it with their friends? Absolutely not, right? I think most, most um, you know, mature uh, parents would agree with that statement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it, it's, it's sort of the same thing, right? It, it, whatever your thoughts might be on, on pornography, and, and chances are, uh, like I said, the, the, the people who think that pornography is positive or neutral I think are those are the people who are living in the past. Um, but uh, whatever your thoughts may be, we we have a responsibility to protect our kids. As far as talking to other parents, it, it's absolutely. I think it's a great conversation if you're up to that. But again, I you know I, I'm not I'm not really sure how much uh, leeway you're going to have, or how much how, you know how much parents are really going to say. Well, you know what the truth is, 
Uh, we don't filter. You know, I, I think that people are going to feel like it's very personal. Um, yeah. You know, and they, they may not want to tell you, or, or they may say, oh, yeah, of course we have filters. But they may not, they may not know the first thing about filtering or, you know what I'm saying? I, I think uh, I mentioned something about this last week. Um, well, I, I, last week I said that, you know, there are some people who are otherwise extremely intelligent, well-educated, sophisticated people who really just don't get this. I'm, I'm thinking of, of some personal friends of mine who uh, I was over at their house, and I was, uh, I was in the kitchen, and their, uh, their son, who was, I think, about 11 years old, was playing some kind of a game on one of the devices, and, and I saw over the phone, and I said, what, what's going on? And he said, oh, well, like an ad came up that's, you know, inappropriate, so I flipped it over. And, you know, I, I, I thought, well, you know, I, on one hand, that's, that's great that, his, you know, this kid has whatever sort of a sense, you know, that this is inappropriate, I shouldn't be looking at it. But on the other hand, it's a complete failure in that the kid has already seen it, you know, and we've already yeah. exposed the kid to it. And uh, when I spoke to the parents about it, and I tried to, again, approach it in sort of a non-judgmental way, but to say, hey, you know that there are real risks here, what your kid might be exposed to, they just sort of, you know, brushed it off and said, oh, yeah, you know, we're really not worried about that. You know, like, uh, we understand where you're coming from, but uh, we're totally not worried about that. Um, you know, and, and I have been to their house, you know, since. And, and again, this, this same boy spends hours and hours uh, unsupervised on the computer. And I, I certainly hope, you know, that nothing bad should happen. But based on statistics of, of uh, you know, when kids first discover porn and how many kids discover it by mistake um, and the consequences of the first exposure to porn, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. You think maybe it's a better conversation? I'm just kind of like, you know, thinking out loud here. Maybe it's better to say, um, I actually don't want my kid on devices when they're at a play date. Is it possible to keep our kids off devices while they're at your house? Do you think that's a, a less sort of intrusive way to get the same effect? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that could definitely be, you know, a good approach. Um, you know, I know my son's school actually has one of their, uh, you know, they have like a code of conduct. They have all the parents sign. And one of the things that they have parents sign is that they won't use any kind of devices when they have a friend over, which I think is really great. Again, though, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's easy to get parents to, you know, to say, oh, yeah, sure, I won't do it. It's another thing when, you know, your, your kid goes over to someone's house and, uh, you know, maybe another sibling is watching some movie or something that's inappropriate or, or, they're, or they're on YouTube right. or something like that. It, it, it's just very, very hard. I think, I think the best thing, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, it's great to have the conversation with, with uh, the friends, parents, but it's also super important to talk to your kids about it, you know, and really try to sort of uh, inoculate them again that, and that, explain to them. At, yeah, go ahead. You said that it's important to say that we're not just put the, the filter on, but say we're putting this on because this is dangerous. But don't you think the conversation also has to be to some degree about what sex is? Just so because I think that part of the problem of why kids are searching is because they're curious, and so if they can get the information from their parent in an age-appropriate way, even if it's uncomfortable, don't you think that sort of having an open uh, line of communication in that area is one of the ways to hopefully make them less curious to find the information elsewhere? For sure, yeah, that, that's definitely true. But again, that that it has to be age appropriate, right? In other words, if if you have a, a seven or eight year old kid, right, he doesn't really. It, it's not necessarily times to be, you know, having, you know, explain to him what what sex is and that kind of a thing. 
Um, you know, with kids who are getting older, you know, I think that there is ab- absolutely more of a place for, for that to have those kind of conversations and to work it in. But I don't think that you need to have, you know, I don't think that you need to have that conversation with, you know, let's say younger kids, right? That, mm-hmm. that just because you need to tell them, okay, there's this stuff out there that's dangerous or, or you know, that, 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 that is not appropriate for you to be looking at and could be harmful mm-hmm. for you to look at, um, you know, like, again, younger kids, it has to be age appropriate for every age. Mm-hmm. And then now let's, we're, I mean, now at this point we have about, what, five minutes left, just to give you a, a you know, a guide on how, how much okay. we can delve into a really deep topic. How about broaching this topic with your spouse? My sense is that there's probably many more women uncomfortable with what their husbands are watching. Um, and they have the Torah on their side. They have a lacha on their side that their husband shouldn't watch it. But we've gone we've gotten to an age, and maybe they've just always been like this, where people are just very blasé, and this is just, you know, this is what movies or TV shows are, or this is what everyone's watching. Or I feel like I've heard men before comment online when I post articles about this, kind of like, you know, what do you expect? We can't control ourselves. Um, how does a woman broach this topic with her husband? Right. Well, and, and well, I think that they absolutely should. First of all, right. And again, I think that um, just like that, that same thing we said before that we sort of don't want to, we don't want to give our kids any ideas, right? So, so we'll avoid having this conversation with our kids. I think that a, a lot of people, you know, just thought that uh, you know someone's spouse could be looking at this is something that's so horrible. We don't want to even you know, consider it as a possibility, right? So for that reason, people may say, well, you know, I, why would I bring this up? You know, it's, it's just so hard. First of all, I don't want to deal with it. And second of all, I don't want to give this person any ideas, right? Um, so, again, the same thing applies, though. It, we, we sort of have to, you know, be, we have to deal with life on life's terms here and say, you know, this is the reality. This is what's out there. Um, pornography consumption is huge and widespread, and we absolutely should talk about it with our spouses. Um, you know, I think it's good to try to do it um, in a non-judgmental and non-aggressive way. You know, which which of course is really hard when you're talking about you know talking to your spouse. You know, you don't want to come out there and be like, "Hey, have you ever done this?" Like, you know, like you would never do something as as disgusting and shameful as this, right? Um, you know, I, I think um, uh, wives in particular need to have their eyes open in terms of. You know, are their husbands spending uh, long periods of time on the computer unsupervised, right? Whether they're mm-hmm. spending long hours uh, at night, you know, when, when the wife is sleeping, you know, when the wife goes to sleep, does the husband continue to stay online for long hours? You know, does he like to keep the door closed when he's surfing? You know, these kind of things. Um, one thing that we mm-hmm. touched on last week is, you know, how all this porn consumption is is causing uh, couples to be having less sex. You know, if, if wives uh, realize that their husbands seem less interested or not at all interested in having sex, um, that absolutely is a, a warning sign and should make them think, you know, that something might be going on. Um, but like I said, they should try to a- approach um, their husbands in, in as open, you know, and as curious a way as possible and say, hey, you know, I just wanted to talk about this. This is something that I know is an issue, and a lot of people are dealing with it. And I just want you know you to know that um, you know that if there is something like this, you know, and if you have been doing it, like I'd like to know about it. And you know, would you feel comfortable talking about it with me? 
and that kind of thing, because I do think that it, it, it definitely has the potential to impact our marriage and our relationship, and I would not want something like this to come between us, you know, but, but uh, I think the, a, a woman should also be direct as well, right, and say, you know, have you, you know, ever looked at this? Is this a problem for you? Um, you know, do you think this is something which maybe you might have a problem with, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Is it something you think you might need to get some help for? Um, I think a conversation like that, again, it's going to be very hard to have a conversation like that, right? Because if he says yes, well, th- what do you do now? Right? Well, actually, yeah, I have a huge porn problem. You know? Like, oh, okay, great. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's be calm about it. Right? Most, most people are going to have a much stronger, you know, emotional reaction, feel betrayed and feel disgusted. They're going to feel, you know, furious. Right? It, it's definitely um, a conversation that needs to happen. I think also, you know, you have to realize that if there is a, if there is something going on, it would probably be wise to get help from a professional, you know, from from a therapist who has specific training in this area. A lot of therapists who don't have training in this area um, don't really understand it and may not really be able to deal with it effectively. So, you know, that's that's where it's helpful to find someone who is a a CSAT, you know, a, a certified sexual addiction therapist. Because um, it's otherwise, you really have no idea, you know, what kind of uh, perspective and what kind of training a therapist is going to bring to the situation. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I feel like we could do a third episode on this, but for now, maybe we'll cut it off now. <laughs> um, and people, you can visit visit um, bradsalzman.com, who is a certified sexual addiction therapist, for more information. Um, and I hope that this has been helpful. Um, and thank you so much for your time. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>